Welcome back to Common Sense Fantasy Baseball. I'm Drew, and we're going to do an episode of Draft This Guy, Not That Guy. I've been a lot more active on Twitter lately, and thanks to at Yancey Eaton for sending a ton of new followers my way, uh, a lot of people, more people have been there to see it, so that's been a lot of fun. So if, if you don't know, I'm on Twitter at Common Sense FBB, so I'd love to interact there. So thanks a lot, Yancey, for the, uh, the new followers, and welcome to all of you. If you have been paying attention to my Twitter, you'll see that I've been involved in several drafts already. Um, these are all draft and hold leagues, which is a format where you draft, you, there are 50 rounds, so you draft 50 players, and that is your team for the whole year. You don't get to have any pickups, any trades, that's, that's it. So if those guys get hurt, you're out of luck, you, gotta, you, you better have plenty of um, plenty of backups on the bench. Um, so, so with 50 players, you, you start 23 of them. So you have a lot of, a lot of reserves, obviously. So that's the format that I've been, been playing. I've, I'm in my fourth draft now and they're starting to have enough of these. Uh, by the way, these are on NFBC, the NFBC. You can, you can Google that and check it out. It's a really cool, uh, place to play fantasy baseball. Um, they're starting to have ADPs in these, um, because they're, they've had several drafts. So you can look at the ADP, see where a player is going on average, the average pick. And um, I've come up with some some guys who I think are going at an ADP that um, is not going to return the value or, you know, certainly you can find the, the things you need in that player later. Uh, I think... <laughs> I did a poor job of explaining that just now, but let's let's just get started, and I think you'll see what I mean. Now, remember, I got these ADPs in the last couple days, so they not, might not be perfect, but they're really close. So I'd like to go position by position. So at catcher, there's really not a good example of this. Um, and my policy for catchers is really just draft Real Muto or wait. There are no other complete, you might even say five category catchers. Real Muto does chip in and stolen bases. Um, and even to say that there are four category catchers would be a bit of a stretch because batting average really does matter and so do runs in RBI. And you can't really trust even the other top guys, Grandal or Sanchez or Garver, to give you those things you know, uh, in such a way that's worth their draft spot. So, you know, are you going to get more than 60-something runs in RBIs? Probably not. Maybe. Maybe if they hit 30-plus home runs, you're going to get a few more RBIs. But is it, are they going to do it with a 240 batting average or, or, or even worse? So, I, you know, I'm not really putting a lot of trust in those guys, and those guys are going fairly early. Uh, I, I didn't look it up, but, I mean, it's 7th or 8th round, maybe even before that, probably, probably before that for Sanchez. So... Um, so real mutor wait for me. Um, and when I say wait, I, I usually wait to the late teens round. So 18, 19, uh, to get my first catcher. Maybe actually I got, um, Sean Murphy in round 16 this time around. So, you know, these rules aren't hard and fast, but anyway, um, and then that's my first catcher. And then I'll probably, you know, I get my second catcher in the 30s, round 30-something, because I got Steven Vogt in this draft in round 31, and is he 
significantly worse than Mike Zunino, who somebody took in round 21? Probably not. I mean, you know, it's debatable. But the point is, none of those catchers are going to give you much fantasy value in a Roto League. So this is 5x5 Roto that I'm talking about. I hope I hope that's always clear. I guess if you if you look up the NFBC and you learn about their leagues, then you'll know that. But I do need to do a better job of making that clear at the outset. So moving on to first base. Uh, Pete Alonso is going at ADP 28.1. That's a second round pick. And I love Pete Alonso. Um, I was huge. I was just really enjoying his his rookie of the year run last year and his when he had his 53rd home run to lead the, the league. Um, I remember tweeting out a picture of him looking like he was the size of a mountain, just, uh, you know, uh, it said 53. <laughs> so Pete Alonso is awesome. He, he, he's a ton of fun. The problem with a second-round pick is at that point in the draft, and this is going to be a theme throughout this episode, I want five categories. Um, and what you're getting from Pete Alonso is not a great batting average, no stolen bases, and then three categories in elite numbers, um, especially the home runs. But you can get, if, you, if that's the profile you want, I've identified, so remember, Pete Alonso's ADP 28.1. Matt Olson is ADP 72.8. Abreu is 81.4. And Josh Bell is 91.3. And all of those guys, you know, Abreu will probably give you a better batting average. Uh, maybe Bell, too. And all those guys are going to flirt with 35 or 40 home runs. Um, and, you know, Alonzo should hit 40 or, you know, maybe even 45 or, or go crazy and hit 50 again. But the, the differences there are not going to be enough to justify the difference in draft capital. Personally, I'm waiting even later uh, to get someone like Mancini at ADP 105.9. Because I think he could have the best batting average of all these guys. And he also has first base slash outfield eligibility. So that's powerful, especially in these draft and hold leagues, as you can imagine. So you can slot him in um, wherever somebody happens to get hurt. Moving on to second base. Um, this is one of my favorites for any position. Glaber Torres is going in the second round at ADP 25.2. So actually even before... Pete Alonso, which makes sense, I guess, because of the position eligibility. But Glaber Torres uh, is another one of these players who's he's certainly not a five-category contributor, and he may chip in five stolen bases like he did last year. But this, uh, but the batting average is not going to be three hundred. Um, and you know, I think the thirty-eight home runs from last year could be a bit of a high I, you know I don't know if that's the most he'll ever hit in his career but he doesn't really have that light tower power that you would expect for somebody flirting with 40 home runs so this is maybe sound a little crazy at first but I have identified almost 100 picks later Eduardo Escobar at ADP 120.4 so 25.2 for Torres versus 120.4 for Eduardo Escobar and I've never even owned Eduardo Escobar I'm not you know, I, I, I haven't been a huge fan of the player. I don't know that know him that well. But just listen to what he did last year. I mean, 35 home runs, so only three fewer home runs than Torres. Uh, their batting averages will be about the same. 
Uh, Torres's expected batting average was 262, and Escobar was 258. You can find that on Baseball Savant. They each stole five bases. I thought that was interesting. And for RBI, Torres had 90, which is good. Escobar had 118. So maybe that was a fluke, but you, you have to see that these guys are in the same category, and they're being separated by almost 100 picks. Okay, so it's shortstop. Uh, Fernando Tatis. I have to, before I... Before I say anything that could be construed as negative about uh, Fernando Tatis, I love Tatis. He's amazing. He had, uh, in 80 plate appearances, he was a top, uh, I used to know this, uh, 50 player, top, anyway, he was, he was incredible. He was on pace for a, you know, 30, 30 plus season. He had over 300. I mean, he, he was awesome. The, the problem with Tatis is he's going at pick 18.4. That's his average pick. So early second round. And the 300-plus batting average that you got from him this year is just really, really hard to expect to continue. His, his expected average via uh, Baseball Savant, again, is, was 259. Now, I think he's somewhere in between that. I think that, you know, the 259 is saying, well, he got a lot of BABIP luck. But we know that BABIP's not all luck. And, you know, without going into too much detail there, I think he's going to hit for a pretty good average. But I don't think he's going to hit 320 or even 300 again um, for a whole season. So what I found was Tim Anderson at pick 92.3 or even Ahmad Rosario at ADP 135.9. So, again, almost 100 picks later for Anderson and over 100 picks later for Rosario. Now, they may both have a better batting average than Tatis, or certainly comparable, but they certainly won't have as much power. Um, but their stolen bases, you know, could actually be close to Tatis's, and um, that's a more valuable category than home runs anyway. So... Um, and their expected batting averages were actually better than his this past year. So there are, are differences. I'm not going to say that you get 100% of Tatis when you draft Tim Anderson or Med Rosario, but I think it's close enough to um, save the pick for um, six or seven or even eight rounds later. Okay, third base. <clears throat> Alex Bregman is awesome. He is incredible at baseball. But Bregman is going at pick 7.7, and he doesn't steal bases. He's able to steal bases. The Astros don't steal bases. And, you know, Bregman has, I think, probably better than 50 percentile speed, but he's not a burner. Arenado doesn't steal bases much at all. Um, he's going 11.5, and then in the second round, Rendon is going 23.4. And Devers, uh, Rafael Devers, is going 23.6. And there may even be some more third basemen uh, in that range. I just, I just picked these guys. Because all these guys are great. We know they're great. They, they are not going to steal many bases, if any. But they're going to hit close to 300, and they're going to hit 30-plus home runs. Uh, and they're going to have great counting stats. But that's it. You get a four-category guy in the first two rounds, 
Um, and the thing about, uh, about third base is there are a ton of great four-category guys going later. I jumped 150 picks almost, and um, I saw Justin Turner is going at ADP 165.7, and uh, the, the, the lesser-known J.D. Davis at 175.5. Now, obviously, these guys are not the perennial superstars that Bregman, Arenado, Rendon, Devers, they're not, they don't have that kind of upside. Or do they? Um, Justin Turner is a, is a constant 300 hitter, and if he could ever stay healthy, 30 home runs would be pretty much a given. J.D. Davis, um, again, did not get regular playing time last year until I think August or, or you know the last half of the year for sure. And then he was a stud. He had over 300, and um, it was backed up by an expecting batting average that was, was just as solid. So... You know, you may get 10 fewer home runs from these guys and slightly worse counting stats, but we're talking about 150 picks. And, you know, this, the lack of stolen bases is, is key here. And I know that that's a theme that's kind of been running throughout here, but if you're going to pay first or second round value um, for a slightly better, better batting average or a few more home runs or even slightly better counting stats, I think you're doing it wrong. I mean, at that point in the draft, you need five categories. You can get Lindor, Story, even Starling Marte. And the great thing about third base is that you can find four category guys later. So just, especially at third base, don't pay up for a four category guy early. Again, you know, like I said, shortstop with Rosario and Anderson versus Tatis, you're not getting 100% of these guys, obviously. And, you know, there's a little more risk um, in the, you know, especially the guys I mentioned, you know, Turner is, is older, J.D. Davis is more unknown. But the comparative value of a 12th round pick to a first or second round pick is the size of an ocean. Okay, at outfield, outfield is tough because usually the guys at the top go there for a reason. There are a lot of outfielders and um, it's the highest upside and maybe even the highest floor position for players you're getting early. Um, I fully agree with the consensus that the, the top three players are outfielders, Acuna, Yelich, and Trout with Mookie Betts pretty close behind, and then you can start talking about some other guys too, but <clears throat> it's hard to find players that are being overvalued at outfield. So I'll give you one guess at what I'm going to go to. That's right, four category contributors. <laughs> because a ton of outfielders, they're going early, steal bases. So, so don't sacrifice that at outfield. You, you need that from your outfielders. So instead of J.D. Martinez at ADP 24.4 or Aaron Judge at ADP 25.7, wait a few rounds, wait several rounds and get um, Jorge Soler at 75.5 or even again, Trey Mancini at 105.9. And again, you're not getting 100% of those guys. Judge should have a better batting average than Soler and J.D. Martinez should hit more home runs than Mancini. But it may be by less of a margin than you think and you're not paying top two rounds where you can get somebody who's going to help you in every single category. All right, starting pitcher. Um, there, There's just a ton to say here, but um, I'll just identify two guys going in the top 10 <clears throat> starting pitchers that I don't have in my top 10. They're, they're very close, but, but they're just outside it. And that is uh, Jack Flaherty at 25.5 and Shane Bieber, I almost said Justin, Shane Bieber at 27.8. 
So instead of paying second round for those guys, get Lucas Giolito at 51.9. That's a, that's a fourth round pick. Uh, I'm not sure what else to say here, uh, except, you know, Bieber and Flaherty are great, but are they, are they more proven than Giolito? I, I just, I don't see it. Uh, they don't have more upside either. Um, and second and fourth round is just a huge difference. So I'll leave it at that for now. Um, relief pitcher. There's, you know, the closer, obviously, is what we're looking for. You know, there's Hader going at 73.4, Yates at 91.2, Chapman at 94.5, Asuna at 96.6. These are top 100 picks, and you're, you're really going for one category here. I mean, what you want from these guys is 30-plus saves. And, you know, you, you should only pay so much for the, the differences here in, in strikeouts, ERA, and whip, because most closers are going to be pretty good at that, with some exceptions. And it varies a lot. And uh, we're talking about guys who pitch, you know, 70, 80 innings, you know, certainly under 100 innings. And um, so you just want to limit the, the amount that you're, you're paying for those things um, in such a small sample. It's not going to help your, your, your numbers that much. So I looked at, um, if you want a top-end guy, Taylor Rogers at 137.4, but that's still pretty early. And you can wait till 169.5 and get Alex Calame, or even 178.6 and get Hansel Robles, or 181.9 and get Jose Leclerc, or even 212.8 and get Ian Kennedy. And that's the 14th round. That's actually the 15th round. So, uh, you know, um, all closers have risk. There is no role that is more fluid. And the guys I listed should have the job, for, you know, at the beginning of the season, and Barring the unforeseen, i.e. the risks that I just mentioned, could have the job for the whole season. Should, you know, and, and other than the fact that the role is so fluid. So just don't get ripped off for one category. Closers, you know, what you want from closers is saves. You want a guy who you think has the job to start the season, and that's the best you can hope for. Um, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to get traded. I used to really like Will Smith here, and now I don't because it's him and Melanson for the Braves. So, just um, just be careful at closer, and, and just there's no reason I I don't think to go a cl to get a closer before around nine or ten. And I think I have waited till round ten or later in all of my drafts, and I've gotten three closers between round ten and round fourteen that I all think that I think are all going to have the job, and then I I wait to take shots on speculative closers until like round 40 so it's just it's easier that way actually in this last draft I, I they were getting pushed up even more um, so I missed on a third but I took Jose Leclerc in round 11 and Ian Kennedy in round 13 and then in round 27 no sorry 25 I took Sean Anderson who may have the job in San Francisco and then you know then back to waiting so uh, you know, just temper what you pay for closer because those picks are so valuable. I mean, Hader at 73.4 and Yates at 91.2. I mean, you can be getting Jorge Soler and Ramon Laureano, and, and these guys are going to get you, you know, untold uh, home runs, stolen bases, counting stats. It's just um, you, can, you can really get a lot with those picks uh, other than just, you know, mainly one category. So, um and I don't want to be too 
down on the other categories. Like Hater is maybe an exception. He's going to get you a ton of strikeouts, but just realize what you're giving up when you get those picks, and, and, and remember that what you really want from a, from a closer is 30-plus saves. All right. This episode's going kind of long, especially for a solo pod where you're just listening to my voice drone on, and I want more coffee, so I'm going to call that the the episode. I hope that was helpful for everybody. I hope, um, it, it, you know, I'd love to know if you guys agree or disagree. Uh, so hit me up on Twitter at CommonSenseFBB. Uh, have a great day, and as always, stay classy, Planet Baseball.